This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world, all on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there. Welcome to Coindesk TV and The Hash. We are here. It's a Monday. We're happy to see you. I'm Zach Seward. That's Jensen Assey. Wendy O, Will Foxley, gang's all here. Let's get this thing going. Jen, you are doing the first story. Take it away. I'm doing the last story, but Will's got it. It's over here, Zach. I would have loved to rub Will, though. I would have loved it. Time out. The best thing on a Monday morning. I should have just taken it. over. All right, guys, I've been on the road at many an event. I'm a little rusty. I'm going to get back into this as best as possible. I'm going to take it from the top. Will. Your story, please go. Take two. Let's go. Let's talk about Do Kwon. We haven't talked about him in a little bit. Interpol has put out a notice to arrest him, wherever he may be. The last time we heard about him, he was supposed to be in Singapore. South Korea had put out an arrest warrant for him, but he was not in South Korea. There were some flight risk questions out there. Then we saw Do Kwon started tweeting about it. He was saying that, hey, I'm not going to tell you where I am unless you're a friend of mine. I'm not going to give you my GPS coordinates. Well, now Interpol wants to know where he is at. We don't know where he's at. The last time we had a tweet from him, his location was about a week ago. There's some rumors out there about where he may be, of course. There's the rumor mill is always going to be churning right now, but we don't know where he's at. This, of course, follows on the big collapse of Terra back in May. The coin went from $60 billion market cap to zero in a hurry. Zach, I'm going to throw this one over to you, get your take on it. This is a big step up. I'm wondering if this puts some pressure on other people in the crypto ecosystem who have backed Terra or other people in the crypto ecosystem who have had similar face plants. This is a very serious step up to see an Interpol warrant out for Do Kwon. Yeah, this has been brewing a few weeks now. First sort of noticed this one out a couple of weeks and now we're hearing more about it. They want this guy found, they can't find him. Where in the world is Do Kwon? That's the story, just like Carmen Sandiego, but for different reasons entirely so where he is honestly i like the cheeky tweets those are good i like that he's being like hey unless we're friends or we're playing a uh, you know a gps game you don't need to know where i am so he seems to be taking it a bit in stride sort of maybe you know returning to some of his bombastic ways after a period of prolonged silence so wherever he ends up turning up it should be interesting to see what happens maybe he's feeling good about where he stands he has also said that they've been cooperating with authorities to sort of get to the bottom of this whether that's true or not, we just don't know. He has a history of making statements that have proven to be not exactly truthful in retrospect. So it will be interesting to see if indeed he has been cooperating and whether or not when he surfaces, he's treated with respect by the authorities. Because I think there's still a lot of angry investors out there who are looking for a bit of justice in the whole thing that transpired back in May. So, hey, who knows? But I'll toss it to Jen for your thoughts. Yeah, I was excited to make the Carmen Sandiego parallel there, Zach, and you just stole it from me. But it's nice <laughs> to have so you back. It is nice to have you back. The subhead on this, Quan maintains he's not on the run, but his location is unknown. It very much sounds like he's hiding, despite what he says, right? And these cheeky tweets, I know he's become known for them, but it's almost like a knife to the back of all of the retail investors that suffered because of what happened. And it's just so, I say this every time we talk about Doquan, so disheartening to see how 
out to lunch he is, how in his own little world he is. It really still feels like, you know, he's still not willing to take responsibility for what happened. The Terra Luna collapse is one of the major contributors to, to the contagion that we're seeing happen across the market now. And he's out there tweeting, you know, you, you can only have my location if we're playing a Web3 game or if you're one of my friends. But there is a warrant out for your arrest. So there are definitely other people who should have your GPS locations. Doquan, Wendy, what do you think? Jen, I, I share a lot of your sentiments on this because it's like insane. It's absolutely insane. Like you are a wanted man. You are on Twitter.com, fun posting with everybody. Like things are okay. Where's legal? Like if you're in trouble for something, aren't you not supposed to be on the internet tweeting? Like isn't I'm that a bad I'm pretty sure that's idea? the thing we learn in the movies. Like, I just, I'm very confused as to why, like, he's tweeting, like, that's all I have. I just don't, (laughs) I don't have, like, what what else can you say? Like, the ego here. I am, I'm in trouble. I'm wanted by Interpol. I am wanted by so many people on a global scale, yet I'm going to sit here and tweet for fun. I kind of like it. I, I like that you made shit posting fun posting there, Wendy. That was nice. Well, that was a nice G rated move. I appreciate that. I show. noticed that. It, that was good. This is a family good. show. That was good. That and was then good. Zach but you know what? By saying it. I kind of like We're it. We're trying to get sponsors it. here, tacos. Okay. We'd like to get free tacos <laughs> for the rest of our lives. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to change some of the verbiage around here. I'm here to clean it up. All right. Okay. I'll, I'll get it together. All right. Get the tie up. All right. We're going to change gears. Wendy, I believe you have the next story, but I've been wrong before. Take it away if it is indeed yours. This is my story. And to me, this is a nothing burger, but let's talk about it. Apparently, the crypto industry is not as ethical as private equity, says buyout oh. billionaire Thomas or Tama Bravo. Okay. So basically, this gentleman has become a $122 billion giant in recent years and invested $150 million in FTX last year. His firm also has stakes in Anchorage Digital, Falcon X, Figment, TRM Labs, but is now pausing investments on crypto companies because in a recent interview, he said some business practices he sees don't rise to the level of ethics that we're all used to in private equity with your investors and your customers community. I understand that 100%. I can get that. Crypto is a very new industry. It's very immature. A lot of the VCs out there are not real VCs and they may not have the proper ethics nor manners to operate as one. However, I will say though, crypto is a newer industry and I want to give the people in crypto a little bit more credit because crypto is supposed to be more transparent. I feel like private equity is not as transparent as crypto is. That's just my personal opinion. I am going to toss this over to Will for his thoughts. Gotta give to Zach first, and then I'll, I'll take this one away from you. Okay. The only one who deserves credit here on this piece is Kay Wiggins of the Financial Times. If you read this piece, there is just a smirk dripping off of every line here because it seems to suggest that this guy has a big-time case of sour grapes after being down bad on some investments that he aped into probably toward the top of the market. So credit to Kay Wiggins for structuring this story in such a way as to suggest that without outright saying it. That's my doff the cap as a, as a, <laughs> as a news nerd. Thank you. That's fantastic. That's all I got to say here. Because if you look Make at the way reading this is structured, sexy again. it's like it's, it tells the story without telling the story. If you just kind of go through this guy's journey through some mm. of these investments mm. uh, as it relates to crypto, mm. but as it relates to SPACs, other vehicles that have suffered here in this recent broader bear market. So I think this paints a really interesting picture of 
some sophisticated investors who are also feeling that pain and sort of making these statements as a way to save face a little bit. But that was just my reading of the subtext. I could be completely wrong, but I'm curious for Will's thoughts. We need to get like an editorial wipe for Zach, editorial corner, get his take on all the news <laughs> angles that us plebs are just not going to see. I uh, appreciate yeah. your industry knowledge here. Yeah, this this article is pretty interesting. And from someone who's been in the industry, it's like, oh, wow, congrats. Like you're down 70% plus like everybody else. No one else is really shocked by that. Everyone who aped into this market has to feel a little pain at some point because not everything is going to go up. It is interesting. They're saying like they want to continue to invest in FTX and a few other brands that have done well. And for good reason, right? FTX has cleaned up. And I think the ethics argument here, you can safely put on the side and say, that doesn't really matter too much. I think they care more about making money just like everyone else. And so, yes, ethics matter. Yes, you want to work within, like, with ethical people. But I think they care more about making money. And that's how the, the article is structured as well, right? If you look at the very end, they have a nice little kicker talking about how software is the best investment going into inflationary period because you're able to increase the amount of labor you have just by condensing it within software. Why are they finishing the article with that sort of topic? Well, because it's all about making money at the end of the day. It's not about ethics. That being said, crypto is pretty slimy. We'll start off the topic or start off the day talking about Doquan running away from Interpol. So no one's disagreeing <laughs> that crypto is slimy. I'll throw it back to you, Zach. I wish like David Morris was on this call because I think you know he, he is the most well-articulated person on markets being amoral, not immoral or moral, but amoral, right? If there are, if there are things to exploit in markets, participants will do so. That may ultimately be the unwinding of Luna and other things in the market, right? If there is a weakness to be identified, you can believe that some market actor who stands to benefit because of that will do so. So I think that is sort of the nature of the markets here. You know, I think morality is one thing. Ethics is another. Should there be ethical markets? Yes, there should be ethical markets. So I don't want to discount his claim entirely. But I think also what this is alluding to is sort of the amorality of markets and their current pain that they are inflicting on people who have a lot of money invested in this present moment. So I think the, the fact that this is, uh, this, is, this is Toma Bravo drawing back a little bit, sort of retreating to the safety of Bitcoin and to some established brands like FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried kind of stands out here from this piece. Jen, I'm going to toss it to you. We've got to get you in here on the final word. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with Wendy and Zach. You said a lot of what I was going to say. I think this is kind of a an opportunistic way to display this statement. I think the industry is so young. Of course, we see these, these headlines that tell us crypto industry, some things that are happening in the crypto industry are maybe not as ethical as we would like, like the story we, we started the show off with. But there are a lot of ethical people in this industry who are at the very early stages of building something that will be more established much, much later on from now. And so I think it's always a good rem reminder to, to know that there is no firm in this industry that ha is that established kind of corporation that we are used to. And we need to remember that when we're, when we're looking at statements like this. Welcome to Coindesk's Women Who Web 3 podcast, your weekly podcast celebrating women supporting women, investing in women, and bridging the gender gap in wealth through Web 3. Each week, we'll be learning from powerful women sharing their insights on topics like creating belonging and inclusivity in the digital spaces, the metaverse, building prosperous Web3 projects, investing in cryptocurrencies and building wealth. And we have how-tos from founders and builders who have been there and done that 
healing sessions to give you the power to overcome imposter syndrome and everything you need to level up in your crypto journey. At the end of each podcast, stick around for some Zen with a relaxing meditation to center you after absorbing all the stories and the knowledge. I'm your host, Cams, and I'm on a mission to empower women across the globe to unlock the unlimited potential and earning power inside themselves through Web3. Whether you're just crypto curious or a crypto connoisseur, this podcast is for you. Let's get it. Coindesk has a new event. It's called Ideas, the Investing in Digital Assets and Enterprises Summit. It facilitates capital flow and market growth by connecting the digital economy with traditional finance. Join us for a 360 investment experience where you can source, invest, and secure the next big deal in digital assets all in one place. Use code HASH20 for 20% off a general pass. Register today at coinest.com forward slash ideas. Let's talk about some news. Binance, big old crypto exchange, largest in the world by trading volume, is reportedly looking to return to Japan. Now, this is according to sources, a lot of no comments, a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of hush-hush here in this article, but according to sources, Binance wants back in. And this is something that we've been seeing increasingly over the last year or so, most notably with FTX and its acquisition of Liquid, establishing an FTX footprint in Japan. Now, Japan has been historically a bit cautious with crypto exchanges because if you remember, Mt. Gox was based in Japan and that was a really bad exchange hack way back when. And I think that has informed Japanese regulators ever since to be a bit more cautious in terms of licensing crypto exchanges. So if Binance does indeed win a, win a license to operate in Japan, that's potentially really big. But I wanted to talk about this and other things as it relates to the Japanese crypto market. And I am going to throw to Wendy. Wendy, what do you got? I actually really think that I like Binance a lot more these days. I feel like during the bull market, they got attacked consistently. Like if you read a lot of the headlines, they got attacked. Basically, people were fining them, people were fighting them, saying awful, terrible things. But Binance is still number one in volume. They're doing a lot of business. And it seems that they are really working hard these days to do things as legally and ethically as possible. Yes, there are some sketch things that did happen in the past, but I feel like that is with most crypto companies. But I like Binance. I like what they're doing. And I hope that they continue to have presence in every single country. Jen? Yeah, Binance has really weathered many a storm. And it's it's actually it's been great to follow along their journey, you know, through this show and reading the stories in the news. Japan's prime minister is looking for a solution. It said in the article to this the slowed growth in the country. And that comes with lax crypto and NFT taxes, and they want to attract crypto talent to the region. So I really think Binance is looking at this as an opportunity to get back into the region. It will be interesting though, Wendy, like you said, still the largest exchange by volume, but FTX and crypto.com have a foothold in Japan already. And so it will be interesting to see if they get the license and what their plan is to compete there. But I do think that Binance has done a really, really good job at weathering the storm. I think they've learned a lot of lessons when it comes to regulatory compliance across many different jurisdictions, and they're ready to apply what they learned. Will, what do you think? 
we're just chilling Binance this morning, but it's probably for good reason. They've been doing <laughs> some some good work, to be honest, and expanding different jurisdictions. The biggest story, honestly, comes after uh, July, their new policy of implementing zero fees for most trading pairs, things like 13 or 14 trading pairs. And that has increased their volumes compared to a lot of different exchanges. Tyco, which is a great data aggregator out there, ran a nice newsletter two weeks ago about this, talking about how Binance's volumes have actually increased since July, while the rest of exchanges have decreased. And you expect going to bear market that everybody would decrease, but Binance is actually cleaning up because it has this no trading fee for most major pairs. So like if you want to buy Bitcoin with Tether, you don't have to pay a trading fee. People really care about that, so they're going to go to Binance. If Binance can keep operating on that sort of level, and economies of scale and efficiency that others can't compete with, and then they crack open new markets like this, I really don't see how they don't start putting their entire footprint on the international market and kill off everyone else. I think it's important to note here that we have Binance trying to open up Japan right now. It has toeholds or even just like complete market operations in different countries like India, Malaysia, Thailand. At the same time, Coinbase is here in the United States fighting against the SEC with two hands behind its back, right? So we have very different market dynamics here for looking at exchanges, and it's going to be a tough fight, I think, for anyone who's U.S.-based predominantly. Zach, over to you. Yeah, let's not forget, you know, Japan is the world's third largest economy, right? So this is a big place in terms of GDP. And I think if the loosening of some restrictions on the exchange space specifically, that's potentially really interesting to watch unfold. Um, surprisingly, I mean, Japan has been kind of quiet in the crypto scene for the last, I don't know, five years at least, right? You kind of hear about Singapore, you heard about Hong Kong, you hear about some of these emerging markets in the Far East, but often sort of Tokyo and Japan itself are left out of that conversation. So if some of these, uh, if some of these foundational things can get established with a bit more uh, volume relative to what had been previously issued in terms of licensing, it'd be interesting to see if sort of Japan can really take, its, uh, take, the, take, the, take the prize of being the preeminent crypto market in the Far East. Because I think like, that is somehow not yet materialized, probably just because regulators have been gun shy uh, over some big time hacks in the past. But I don't know, that's maybe the bigger picture. Wendy, any last thoughts on this one before we change gears? I'm just actually excited to see who's going to come out on top. And I think with Binance trying to operate back in Japan again, I think it's going to bring a lot of positive competition. I am somebody who really believes in positive po competition for expanding economies and for creating better products. So I'm curious to see who's going to come out on top. I'm, going to, I'm curious to see the tactic that they use to come out on top and directly compete with the other similar services offered there. All right, let's leave Binance there in Japan and venture on over to Disney, one of my favorite places on earth. I'm just shilling all the companies that we're talking about. <laughs> Are you a Disney adult? Dis Are you a Disney? Do you Disney? I I really She's a Disney adult. enjoy Disney. Oh yeah, can't, I'm pretty sure you can just tell by talking to me, but here we go. All right. <laughs> Disney is looking for a corporate lawyer to help advise on emerging technologies and NFTs. So according to this new job post that's on Disney's website, the lawyer they're looking for is going to work on full product life cycles, give legal advice, and support global NFT products. Part of their uh, job will be to ensure that they comply with laws in the U.S. and internationally. Now, that sounds challenging to me. Zach, what do you think of this new job at, over at Disney? Jen, let's make this job segment a 
Let's make this segment a job interview uh-huh. for you taking this role. Ooh. All right, so here we go. I'm I the interviewer. Well, no, I'm not a you, lawyer. You're the closest thing we got on the show. So this is, All right, this here is, we go. This is the interview. Here we go. Hello, Miss, Miss Sanasi. Fantastic. How would you advise Disney to approach the burgeoning NFT and metaverse space? Well, you know, I think Disney's already done a good job through their accelerator program by bringing Polygon and FlickPlay into into that program. I know that Disney is really interested in augmented reality at their parks and incorporating NFTs into the park experience. And by bringing crypto startup FlickPlay into the accelerator, I think they've already taken the best first step because FlickPlay has already built that technology. You got the job. You got so, the job. Thank you. We'll get, to the, wow. we'll get to the massive IP library. We'll get to ownership of these things at some later date. But you got the job, Jen. Congrats. <laughs> Will, I saw your hand up. Sorry to uh, derail it toward that. But you can, that was uh, beautiful. You can take it that away. Was, honestly, no we should just keep no the segment problem. rolling. Okay, my take on this is actually like a little bearish. This is classic corporations wandering into Web3 world where the first thing they hire is a lawyer and not a dev, right? They're trying to figure out what the hell that do with all this IP that they have. They got Mickey Mouse out there. They're trying to keep him rent-seeking, all that stuff. And they're like, oh, we don't need a dev yet. Let's just throw money at it and hire a bunch of lawyers and see who we can crush with our big steamroller. That is beautiful. Keep winning, Disney. Throw it up to you, Wendy. Okay, so Will, I'm going to actually fight with you right now. I think that this was a smart first step, and the reason why it's a smart first step is oh, you actually smart. need you need attorneys to be because attorneys are like kind of the real experts in the space because they kind of know how to navigate the legal environment, even though we don't have like real guidelines. But we're getting there, but we're not. But there's all these things. So I think that it's important that they did hire an attorney first to be like, you can do this, you can't do that. This is a gray area thing. And then maybe bring on the devs. They're going to need, or maybe they need to hire this attorney to create job postings that are legal, ethical, and that will fit the current job openings for a developer. Okay, but yeah, Wendy, I, I think is the fair. attorney really going to be able to tell them anything useful about NFTs in the US and internationally when it comes to what's happening? And I don't think so. I think I, they I can. Think so. are you the, they can you're the attorney now. I, I, think so. <laughs> I think so because I have like somebody, one of my really good friends, Jeff, he's a, a, a corporate attorney and he's super involved in the NFT space. I believe he's been on the show before too, but I think that he would be like a great fit for this job because it's right up his alley. He loves IP rights. He loves talking about NFTs. He loves talking about crypto and this is what he does for work. So I think that it's a good thing that they've, you know, got an attorney because at the end of the day, the way the court system, in my opinion, from what I've observed, the way that they look at stuff is if you're doing your due diligence and you're doing the best that you can given the current current regulatory framework or condition that we're in, it at least looks better in court just in case something does happen. Like, hey, we hired an attorney. We did the best that we could. We're sorry we screwed up. We'll just give you a million dollars instead of going to court or paying you $10 million. Yeah, Wendy, I think I think you are actually right. But I, I'm just, just kind of pointing to the fact that NFT regulations kind of all over the place. I want to talk about a patent just to explain to people where I went on on that tangent. So Disney filed a patent that involved visitors in the park using mobile phones to generate and project personalized effects on physical spaces. And when this was reported, I think it was sometime earlier this year or last year, they said there were no current plans to use that patent. But it's really interesting. One of the crypto companies that are in their accelerator program 
does exactly that. And Wendy, this the company I was talking about in um, the fake interview we did, did a pilot in in California at Santa Monica Pier. And people were, you know, winning NFTs, kind of projecting them into the real world like Pokemon Go. And I can just totally see that working in a Disney theme park. But Zach, I thought I saw your hand go up. It was the next question on my job interview was what <laughs> Disney NFT would you ape into, Miss Anassi? Hmm. Ooh, what Disney hmm. NFT would I ape into? That's a good question. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So, I, I was going to say Toy Story, to be honest, but then I was mm. like, do I need mm. to think about this further? I think like an original Toy Story NFT would be so sick, like a Woody NFT. Like, yeah. I don't know. What one would you ape into? I don't know. I'm I'm the I'm the one asking the questions here. All right. Come on now. Yeah. We're gonna (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna note that in the HR record and we're gonna see how that goes. But yeah, I think that's asks too many questions. I think that's the I think that's the show today. So Jen, uh, congrats on the new gig. Uh, if you could if you could send this out, that'd be fantastic. Thank you, Zach. Zach, always great to have you back. Thank you for pumping me up to Disney. Maybe I'll get a new lower third sometime soon as Disney's legal. Advisor, thank you to our audience for watching the hash on this Monday. You're watching Coindesk TV. And if you're listening to us, you're listening to us on the Coindesk Podcast Network. The whole team was here today. We got Will Foxley, Zach Seward, Wendy O, and me, Jen Sanasi. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place for Taco Tuesday. See you guys tomorrow. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. 